This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello. This is me, Minister Diane. Diane, Lady Di. I've been called various names. Anyway, it's good to be with you tonight. This is a good day. This is a God day. I'm excited to be back with you. Um, great day to be alive. I, I want to jump right into my subject tonight because I know that I'm probably going to run out of time. Um, I do want to tell you all that um, I just attended this awesome, powerful, impactful, just godly conference hosted by Christian International. You need to look them up, check them out. Prophetic ministry. And um, I received so much during that conference, and that's where I was last week, okay? I've been talking about that experience on our Facebook and YouTube and Orbeez um, platforms during our Meet of the Word times. That occurs on Sundays at 12 noon. So if you want to get the highlights of that, go back and find our Facebook, YouTube, and Orbeez um, pages, and you can find out all about that, okay? I don't want to lose time because I'm hoping to wrap the series up tonight, the series that I started on transparency. We did a part one, we did a part two, and tonight is going to be part three. And um, I just felt excited as I began to prepare to conclude this. I just, I struggled with whether I should do this or not because, you know, um, so many people teach a one-sided aspect of Christianity, and that is the the meek side, the meek side of Christianity, and they don't teach about how to uh, make a stand. They don't teach people how to war. They don't teach people how to um, roar even, you know, and so it's it's often construed as being um, wrong or improper to expose, to expose and to confront our enemies to confront, you know, Christians, people think Christians are just supposed to be doormats and they think that they're supposed to always, I should say, always be doormats. All right. Um, and, and, and never, never make a stand. But I really just felt like the Lord was leading me that I needed to do this, that I needed to do this, that I tried 
to work this situation out with the parties involved. I tried to work, at, which was our our previous church, uh, Chris and I's last church. I tried to work it out with the parties involved, all the way up to the leadership. I even filed a lawsuit that was dismissed because of the statute of limitations had been exceeded. That was the primary reason. And um, I I felt like um, this was another platform, though. This was another platform that I had access to to tell my story and to reveal the truth of the situation because the parties that were involved did not want to address the situation or care to fix the damage that they had caused. They they didn't want to fix the damage that they had caused. Um, so anyway, to get a full story, if you've just tuned in, you you have to go back and listen to part one and part two. Okay, if you've just tuned in, if you've been tuned in, then you know what I'm talking about already. Okay, this is on the tales of very traumatic, very difficult uh, season in my life um, that really, really escalated after my husband, Chris, passed away. That's when it really escalated. Um, It's been years. It's been years of difficulty um, in this church and with this church because they were a family church. They were our parents' church, um, and we did not go into the situation blind. We thankfully did know what we were getting into. We just didn't know how bad, how bad it was going to be. And it really, really escalated and confirmed itself after Chris passed away. So tonight, let me see, where should I even... Where should I even pick up? Um, I want to reinforce, um, because of this trauma, I want to reinforce to you all how important it is if you have suffered trauma, okay? If you have suffered trauma, whether it be sexual abuse, whether it be a physical abuse of some sort, like domestic violence or battery, um, whether it's... Um, you know, the loss of a loved one in some traumatic way, like whatever the trauma is, it is important that you be transparent about it. It's important that you talk about it. If you are struggling with it, if it is affecting you, um, it is good to have an outlet, to a safe outlet, a safe outlet to talk to someone about it. Okay, thank God I had a a strong support system in my daughter. Um, My my son actually um, started out okay, but um, the impact of all of the situation and and his his own um, personal struggles has caused a strain um, on our relationship at this point in time, actually. Um, He... Seems like he chose to check out. He chose to check out, and and that's what some people do when trauma is too great for them. They 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 can't cope. Um, but I am trying to reinforce some of the very important aspects of recovery, of how you recover from a trauma, how you uh, are can be delivered 
from a traumatic experience, okay? Depending on how bad the experience is, there's different steps that you need to do to to walk through that trauma. The old folks used to say basically like if you fall off the horse, you need to get back on the horse, okay? That's one way of dealing with it. Well, in my book, Overcoming Sexual Abuse, I always talk I talk about also some important steps um, for deliverance. And one of those steps is confession, is talking about it and exposing your abuser, okay? You do not remain loyal to an abuser. You do not um, allow them to keep you silent, to suffer in silence. You do not allow them to intimidate you, you know, and, and, and threaten you and tell you you better not say nothing or you better not do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to do the other. You know, that's how they gain control. That's how they gain control and keep control over people oftentimes for years. You have to face, you have to face your abusers. You have to face your enemies. You need to expose them. You need to talk about the situation, okay? And then in some in some situations, even in a family situation, let's say there was some incest or some sexual abuse in a family, there are times that you will have to separate yourself from the situation completely because your loved ones, because your mother, because your sisters, brothers, because other people in the family refuse to address the issue, because they refuse to protect you, because they refuse to, um, you know, out or expose the abuser, then you need to separate yourself. You will need to separate yourself from that situation. You cannot remain loyal, even if it's a mother or, or someone that you love. When you, refu- when you refuse to do that, then you remain a part of the abuse. That whole environment is usually toxic for you. There's reasons why something like that was allowed to happen in your family to begin with. And, and if the parties that allowed it to happen are not sorry for it and, and putting the things in place and creating safety and holding that person accountable, then there can be no recovery. There can be no healing, okay? And so that's pretty much where I'm at in my journey. That's where I'm at in my journey. Uh, I'm exposing and I'm telling the truth. I'm not going to say my side of the story. I'm telling the truth, okay? Uh, this situation uh, was an assignment. Thank God it was it was an assignment, so I'm not telling it from a victim perspective, but I do want it exposed, and I am exposing it so that it has no more power over me, um, so that it doesn't continue to cause me anguish. The court system wasn't able to deal with it, so I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there, and I think that that's bringing me pretty close to break time for some crazy reason. I can't get into my laptop right now to even see my cues, but I think I'm going to hear. All right, yeah, I was looking at the time, and I said, I think I'm going to hear music 
any second now. So when I come back from the break, I'm going to jump right into some more examples of what happened in Chris and I's experience with our previous church and what led us to uh, leave the church for the final time. I'll be back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, Amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people. I am back. And I am... Finishing, hopefully, my series on transparency. And I want to say, I'm going to make this few statements here to just kind of like drive this home, grab your attention here, okay? Part of recovery, part of deliverance, if you will, is facing, is facing the trauma, facing your abusers, 
okay, dealing with the situation. You have a responsibility to yourself, to yourself, and then to others to warn them of the danger, to warn them of of what you've experienced, okay? And you have a responsibility to, to yourself to confront that danger, all right, and what happened to you and to be honest about it and not to carry any shame if it was truly not your fault, all right? So if someone you know murdered someone, would you keep that quiet? Would you allow that that uh, murderer to just go free? Some people do. Some people say, well, he, he threatened to kill this person, and he threatened to kill that person, and and so, you know, I didn't say anything. Well, then what does that do, though? That allows the murderer to continue to murder, though, all right? If you know someone is a sexual predator, okay, they may not just be a pedophile. They can be a sex trafficker. They could be a pimp. They can be uh, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that misuses sex and abuses their partner. Uh, you know, you can be a predator on various levels. Are you supposed to remain loyal to that person who trafficked you or who, who sexually abused you? No, you're not. Well, guess what? It is the same with spiritual abuse. This is the same principle with spiritual abuse. Okay, and now that my husband is no longer here and and I've been set free from this assignment, I'm exposing this situation for what it is. We were dealing with a Jezebel spirit. We were dealing with a church that was controlled by a Jezebel spirit, and God knows what else. I know the Lord identified that particular principality to me many, many years ago, okay? Thank God I came out, I can't say unscathed, because uh, Chris and I did experience COVID uh, while working at that church, and Chris did pass away after his um, becoming infected, uh, that wasn't the only reason. It wasn't COVID alone. But then, as I said um, in the first part of this show, after he passed, the people in this church, the leaders in this church, including our parent, his mother was the only one left at this point, our family members, our his his blood brothers, his extended family members, truly showed their real nature. I mean they had they had never concealed it, but I mean there was no restraint after Chris passed. And it all stemmed from this pastor, this pastor who was sadly our mother too, but I'm addressing the fact that this was a pastor. That this was someone who was professing to be these were people, not just her. Um the elder, the elder the elder at the church, and this church was Anacostia International Assemblies of God in Southeast D.C., okay? The elders, Elder Sweeney, 
okay, the new pastor. This is something that was pervasive, pervasive throughout this ministry. And I believe that we were sent there. We were sent there to bring light, to bring light into a dark place, to bring liberty and freedom into a religious place, into a place that was full of bondage and and uh, cliques and just things that were of the world and not truly of the Lord. But they rejected that. And so let me see. I want to give you um, just a quick recap. Uh, we relocated to the DMV area. Chris and I did. We gave up good jobs. We gave up um, uh, our lifestyle, you know, because his parents begged us to come and help them with their church, Anacostia International. Um, They lured us here, saying that they needed and wanted our help, okay? But this is not what she was telling her congregation. This is not what she was telling the congregation. See, when you deal with a Jezebel spirit, they're very manipulative. They're very manipulative, Okay, and and it's in there, and it's all about control for them. Okay, the church was failing; it was already failing before we arrived, and we um, were led by the Lord to come and to help, to to attempt to help uh, revive the ministry and just do what we could to support the work. Now, mind you, years before that, we had had some major incidences with his mom, and I had told myself that I was never going to, never going to go to her church or sit under her, as some people would call it. But the Lord said, oh, no, I have another plan. Yes, you will. Yes, you will, because I have a work for you to do. So that's why I say I'm not speaking about this from a victim perspective, but I am still exposing the enemy for who he is, for who he is. So we packed up and, you know, moved across country and, you know, rolled up our sleeves to do what we could to help. Last week I gave some example of what our first encounter was <laughs> with our, with our. Uh, I'm being sarcastic, but with our wonder, my wonderful mother-in-law, Chris's parents, um, first thing they did was extorted us okay they didn't ask they didn't help us move across country usually if a church wants you to come and help you know a ministry or whatever then they'll like um pay for your um something something you know they might help to relocate you they might put you up um in a certain uh, place we weren't we weren't brought to be the pastors at the time, so we didn't expect that. We paid out of our pocket. But when we got here, the first thing they did was extorted us, okay? Um, Jezebels want to get you under their control, okay? So they lure you under false pretenses. They use flattery. They use whatever they can to get you under their control. So his mother thought that once we got here that we we were basically at her mercy, okay? And so she used that opportunity because we were to rent one of her rooms in her in their extra home, in their extra home. And she quoted us one price for that for that um privilege. Um and it was supposed to be for two bedrooms. But then after we got here, she said, Well, I never put it in writing. 
This is a pastor we're talking about. Since we never put it in writing, basically since you guys were stupid enough to trust me, now I'm going to triple the rent on you. Okay? And she did. And we didn't fight. We didn't argue. We just said, okay, fine. You know, fine. We want to keep the peace. And so we made the best of the situation. Um, And we could not even use one of the rooms. You couldn't even use one of the rooms for about nine months, eight or nine months. It was just literally unlivable, okay? I talked about that already before. Urine, feces, droppings, just, I mean, really unlivable. Rusty toilets, rusty bathtubs, just we had to close the door and could not even use that room, okay? So for about eight or nine months, we put up with that to keep the peace. And then we finally said, you know what? this is not acceptable. To keep the peace or not, this is not acceptable. You need to either fix that other room because we're paying for two rooms, but we can only use one one room. You either either fix that other room or um, reduce the rent to to match the one-room status, okay, um, or we're going to move. And she was not happy about that. And Chris's dad sadly did whatever his mom wanted, okay? He tried to resist, but Jezebel was in control. So he let her pretty much have her way because if he didn't, then there was hell to pay at home. So she didn't like that at all. But she uh, reduced the rent temporarily, and we forced her to fix the, the, the second room, Okay. Then she decided, after she fixed the second room, she thought she had done us a favor, so then she decided to, um, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So anyway, with that being the case, she wasn't happy that she had to fix the other room. And so things deteriorated. We moved out, praise God, hallelujah. We moved out on good terms. We made sure that the rooms were both in tip-top shape, better condition than when we moved in. That's the way we roll. Okay, we don't do people like they've done us. We moved out. God blessed us to get a beautiful apartment, nice gated community. He blessed us with jobs. I mean, he showed us that he was with us. He showed us that in spite of the situations that we uh, were his and we did belong to him. And she definitely did not like that. Jezebel spirits do not want you to not need them, okay? She thought that once she lured us here that she was going to either control us or ruin us. So she began to blackball us to everybody in our community, in the church community, in our family. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking so fast, but guess what? It's break time. And so I have to pick this up after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. (laughs) A black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes 
dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, so I'm trying to squeeze um, years of situations into just a few uh, three-part series, and I um, just only I'm, I'm only hitting the highlights here. I'm only hitting the highlights here, and hearing my husband's voice it even actually reminds me of another reason that I'm doing this is because I I want our names vindicated, I want our names cleared, um, I want to expose the enemy. I want to be transparent um, for my own sake so that I can not let this um, eat at me and, and trouble me and bother me. One of the best ways to do that is to deal with it, expose it. Um, when it came time to truly dealing with this issue, um, we had our our disagreements and our spats and stuff over the years, but when I made it official, when I filed a formal complaint, all of them went silent. My my mother, the former pastor, the elders, the um, the board members, the new pastor, um, because my mom is still at the same church even though she was emeritized. Um, the new pastor came in and continued to support her um, ungodly behavior and her ungodly um, lies, and so we had. We had we suffered. We suffered even after she was emeritized because nobody wanted to upset her. Nobody wanted to upset her. She was in. She was used to being in control for all those years, and so she was not going to let go. And so this pastor continued to listen to the lies. I was telling you before the break that she began to blackball us to our family members, to our community, uh, to to. Um, even all the way up to the Assemblies of God organization, and so um, one of the other, one of the incidences that happened um, in that regard was the fact that, in spite of all of these horrible things that were going on, Chris and I just kept believing God and kept showing the godly example and kept um, doing everything that we could to work things out. You know. Um, 
there were times that things got so bad that we left, and this was one of those times we left the their house and we left the church because things got so bad. Um, they would ask us to come back. His mother actually called me up, and she repented to both of us by mouth anyway, by mouth. She didn't repent with her actions, but she repented by mouth and said that she had changed her ways and said that, God had given her a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind, and she asked us to please come back, please come back. We stayed away for a couple of years, okay? It really severed our family ties. Well, we stayed away for a couple of years, and she asked us to come back and told us that she had changed. And the Lord touched our hearts to go back. You know, you're supposed to honor your mother and father, okay? And um, many times in abusive situations, you do your best to do that. Um, but thank God, um, we didn't do it blindly. We didn't do it ignorantly. We did it because the Lord led us to, okay? And so we returned. We returned um, only for the for her to return to her same to her same Jezebelic ways, Jezebelic ways. Um, in spite of all of their troubles, though, um, God was still working in the situation, and what we felt that we were sent there for began to unfold. Um, she, for some reason, was forced to ask us to become, uh, to, to begin training to go to school so that we could be credentialed by the Assemblies of God. And take over as the new pastors uh, for some reason. Well, I know part of the reason is that she was already in her late 70s and her health was failing and different um, things were going on and she was no longer able to really manage the church anymore. And so she was being told that she needed to retire. And to our surprise, she ended up asking us to go to school so that we could be credentialed by the Assemblies of God. Now, I already had a bachelor's in theology, had already been to seminary, if you will. My old pastor used to call it cemetery. <laughs> but anyway, I had already been to seminary, and um, Chris did not care for school at all. He didn't want to go to school, but he did it for his mom. He did it for his dad, you know, because he honored and loved his parents in spite of their um, wicked ways, <laughs> in spite of their wicked ways. And so we said, okay, and we went back to school, and we continued to fight through the issues and the problems and got all the way to the end of schooling, got all the way to the end of schooling. Now, mind you, every time something came up that his mother didn't like, she was threatening us and telling us, well, I'm not going to, I'm not, you guys are not, um, you're not going to, how was she putting it? Basically, I, I just I just don't think that you guys are, are ready. I just don't think that you guys... Now, mind you, we had been in ministry for, I don't know how, since like 2000... I was ordained in 1999, okay? Chris accepted his calling in 2005. And we had been working in ministry. You know, we had been on the radio program. We, I mean, my goodness, um... I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. We didn't get on radio until 2010. But um, we had been in ministry for a long time. But any time something came up that she didn't like, then she would threaten to tell us, 
oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to call the people and I'm going to tell them that you're not, that this is just not working out. And we would tell her, fine, that's fine, mom. We didn't ask, we didn't ask to be the pastors anyway. We only did that because you, you wanted us, you asked us to. We're not trying to take your church from you. We're not trying to, you know, force this issue. We're just trying to please the Lord, and you asked us to go to school. So um, so she basically didn't stop until she succeeded with sabotaging the plan, okay? She didn't stop until she succeeded with sabotaging the plan. And one of the, one of the things that happened was... Um, there was a, a business, well, there was an issue that we discovered, that we discovered regarding how the church was managing their finances. Now, we had gone to school, we had met with the presbyter, they had told us this was the plan, they told us that, you know, once we were in school for six months, then they were going to turn the church over to us. And so we had an obligation to know what the financial situation of the church was, because we were going to be holding the bag. (laughs) We were going to be accountable for it, you know. But a situation arose where we found out from the treasurer, Elder Sweeney, uh, that they weren't managing the recording of the the finances properly, okay? They weren't, um, it basically, they were asking people for money to take care of the needs of the church, but they weren't using what you gave for the purpose that they asked for it for. For example, well, I don't have time to give you a basic example. We we just found out that there were some problems. And then and on top of that, we found out that the church was in danger of um going in the red, as they put it. Um within a few months that they weren't paying, they weren't going to have the money to pay the bills. And so they were demanding more money on top of us realizing that they weren't even managing the money correctly that they were getting. Okay? But when we met to discuss it, when we tried to work that out, tried to get understanding about those issues, and we met to discuss it, oh, my, 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 that caused the biggest blow-up. That caused a major blow-up, okay? They they felt like we did not have the right to ask them any questions about the finances. Now, they were demanding that we should be giving more money, and everybody else in the church should be giving more money. But they said it was none of our business. It was none of my business. It was none of your business to be asking what we're doing with the finances. They didn't want to tell what the expenses of the church were. That caused a major blow up to the point where they put me out of the church, people. I'm being transparent here. I don't have nothing to hide. <laughs> I was standing for what was right. I was asking questions respectfully, but still asking questions, and they didn't like it. And Jezebels don't like that. Jezebels, you're supposed to do what they say 
how they say it, and you don't ask no questions because as far as they're concerned, they are lording over you. They are in control over you. You're just an insignificant little peon. Well, guess what? That is not how God established the church to be. That is not how God established the church to function. Leaders are supposed to be accountable. Leaders are supposed to have integrity. If you um, make an actual mistake, that's understandable because we can all make mistakes. But when someone begins to ask you about it, you don't go on the defense. You don't go on the defense to the point where you're ready to fight, okay? They told us to get, they told my husband to get me and take her out of the church. They said you never should have gave no money in the first place. If you're going to have the nerves to ask us about the expenses, mind you, because they were demanding that we give more money, I wasn't supposed to ask, though. I was just supposed to say, oh, oh, okay, yeah, here, here's some more money. No, the Bible calls us to be good stewards. And we're supposed to know that even what we're giving is being handled appropriately, that it's being sowed into good soil, so to speak, that it's being used for the work of the kingdom, that it's being used for the gospel's sake. Oh, not only did we find out that they were having financial troubles, but like I said, they were receiving monies for things that they weren't even, departments that weren't even active no more, okay? Departments that weren't even active no more, but they weren't, like, making that clear to the donators that, oh, we don't, we don't provide that anymore. We don't do that anymore. They were just pocketing the money. Uh, I mean, anyway, we got kicked out of the church. <laughs> I got kicked out. We got kicked out. And even with that, even with that, we stayed gone for a while. And then they begged us to come back, begged us to come back, asked us to become the pastors. We went to school. Things started getting too close to transition time. And Jezebel wasn't going to have control anymore. So she did what she could to blackball us. I'll be back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones, and we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day, not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, and any major bookstore. Overcoming Sexual Abuse. 
This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R, dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Tugginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay. So I'm talking about transparency. I'm being transparent. I'm telling you of a struggle and a traumatic situation that Chris and I walked through for years, um, how the Lord was with us in spite of the difficulty. It was very, very difficult. I, I confess that there were times that, I mean, the blow-up was so bad, the blow-up was so bad that this pastor literally kicked us out of the church, okay? That wasn't bad enough, but then she came to our home saying that she wanted to talk about the situation, uh, my husband, with compassion, let them come in because those were his parents. But then when she came in, then she continued to instigate and, and accuse us falsely. And when we proved, because I have... I keep records. I keep meticulous records, okay? When I had emails and proof that what she was saying was not true, then she got angry and literally got in my face, got in my husband's face, physically got in our faces with the posture as if to say when people are on the street, you know, that they, they want to fight you. I don't know if you guys know, like, back in the day, people would, like, put their chest up in your face and get all up in your face. She literally got in our faces to try to make us back down, to try to make, and we try to keep the situation, look, we're all adults here, you know, we need to calm down, you need to sit down, you need to sit over there in your seat next to dad, and we will sit down and we will talk about this like adults, and she refused, she literally got in my face, got in Chris's face, like she wanted to fight, and so we almost fought. We almost fought. I, I just, at that point, I just felt like, I felt like, y'all, I felt like grabbing her by the neck, 
okay, and saying, how dare this devil get bold enough to come up in my house, in our home, and try to intimidate and threaten us with physical harm. This little old pitiful lady still thought she was in the streets, I guess. She went street on us, okay, because she said we had no business telling the presbyter what happened at the meeting. Now, we we were obligated to the presbyters as well as to the church, okay, but she said we had no business telling the presbyter what happened in the meeting, and so she was going to tell us off and try to whoop both of us, I guess, about it. (laughs) Anyway, that's how bad it was. We left the church again. We left the church again. The presbyter said, hey, you know what? It's not worth uh, destroying your family. You guys should move on. We obeyed his direction. He said, you should find another Assemblies of God church. They didn't help us find another church. They didn't recommend another church. They just told us, you need to just find another Assemblies of God church and let that pastor continue your credentialing process and, um, you know, move on from there. And we followed their instructions, and we did that. And that's another long story. Long story short, the Assemblies of God were not trustworthy at all. Not you know the 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 new pastor. Thankfully, we didn't have any conflicts or or any blowups or anything with them. But um, he did not keep his word like like Pastor Jesse didn't keep her word. He did not keep his word. We didn't have any fallouts or anything. Thank God, we just realized that we needed to return to the front lines and we needed to do what we do at equipping the saints ministries, which is what I'm doing right now, which is our radio program, which is our meat of the word, which is, you know, ushering and te- teaching people to be effective, confident, bold witnesses for Christ, teaching people to love one another. We don't ascribe to religious activities. We don't teach people to just follow a set of rules and um, and and not not allow the word of God to shape you, make you, mold you, and 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 change you. You know, for for it not to be real, for it not to be. We're very real. We were. Chris was a very real person. A very. You know, it's one of the things I loved about him. He was not. He was not a faker. He was not a shaker. He was a real person. <laughs> he was going to tell you like it was, but he was also going to love you. He was going to love you to pieces. And there was no love in this church. There was no love um, in the in the, in, in the Assemblies of God organization that we were a part of. All they cared about was the business side of things, you know. So anyway, it didn't work out with our getting credentialed, and that was fine, too. That was fine at the time. It was like it hurt. It hurt badly. It hurt for our own parents to betray us that way, you know, but God helped us to overcome that also. He helped us to overcome that also, so we moved on again. We moved on again. This pastor did not stop. Our mother-in-law did not stop. She continued to blackball us when we left to family members, to our community, because she wasn't happy that we could just still walk away and do our own thing. This is what I mean about a Jezebel spirit. 
the Jezebel spirit is not content unless they rule you, unless they control you. Okay, it caused us restraint on our family relations, but we kept on trying to 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 mend that even. And guess what, people? The different members from the church, his Chris's other family members, because this was a family church, his brothers, his auntie, they started asking us to come back to the church again. And believe it or not, we went again. See, we believe the word of God, and, and as much as lies within you, you are supposed to, to try to follow peace with all men. You're supposed to do everything you can to honor your parents. And, and we went back again, and that's where we were. That's where we were when Chris and I got COVID. His mother had been sat down. She had been forced to be set down anyway while we were gone. A new pastor took over, but he was still very much influenced by her because she was still a member there. Her partner in crime, Elder Sweeney, she got promoted and she got put over the church in place of us. So she was very much territorial and very much just as mean and crooked and and uh, manipulative and um religious as Jesse was. They were peas in a pod for many, many years. So that same element remained at the church. But in spite of that, they asked us to go back, and we went back. And we were making it work. We were doing our best to make it work until Chris got sick. He ended up passing away. And this was the clincher. This was the clincher. These leopards didn't change their spots, honey. They only got more evil. And they literally, the new pastor basically told me that if he wasn't doing my husband's eulogy, that I was not worthy for him to attend my husband's funeral. Now, we got COVID serving at the church. We were two of six people at the church who got COVID. We had a visitor come to our church that caused us all, all six of us, to get COVID. I got COVID while serving at that church. And that new pastor, Mitchell, who's also the pastor over Evangel, had the nerves to tell me that my, he, if he wasn't doing the eulogy, that there was no need for him to come to my husband's service. And Elder Sweeney had the nurse tell me that I was not supposed to abide by my husband's wishes concerning his his homegoing services, but I was supposed to abide by their wishes, the living. She classified it as them being the living. And when I refused to submit to that type of tyranny, that type of control, they actually boycotted. They they. They, something must have happened so that they did show up for the service, the actual part of the service, but then they boycotted the celebration and did not come to his burial. The church that we were serving in when we got sick, my husband's parents' church, his parents founded this church, and none of the church members attended his burial. His family unleashed an attack on me, <laughs> and the extended family picked up that attack and told me off 
and told me how much they didn't like me. They refused to be pallbearers. They refused to participate in some of the festivities. I even offered those things knowing how badly they had treated me and how badly they had treated Chris out of respect for his family. But they showed their true colors. And I felt at that point when this family member continued to blackball me that I needed to make a stand, that I needed to make a stand because they were doing most of this under the guise of being Christians and under some of them being leaders, pastors, elders, board members of the church. I made a stand. I made a stand. And my telling this story to you is to encourage you to make a stand. When you see evil, when you see wrongdoing, I don't care where it's at. I don't care who it's in. You do your best to work through the situation. You be led of the Lord. You be led of the Lord. You don't seek vengeance, but vindication vindication and exacting accounts and exposing the enemy for who he truly is, that is something that we are also called to do. Whew, I got that out. I hope that this is it. <laughs> Until the next time, my daughter is going to be with us next week telling a whole different story about her life and her testimony Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.